In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. everyone and hello Amy. I am Sarah and we are kicking off See You Next Week in Space um, with a question that again might be a bit of a challenge um, but we'll see because I have an easy softball question that we may also need to turn to but I wanted to start with something that uh, I thought would be interesting to find your thoughts on. So Amy, okay. uh what do you know about DNA and cloning? <laughs> um, I think that you know the answer to that question. <laughs> I can't be sure that as, I know the as someone who went to college for musical theater, I would uh-huh. say that And you're you saying know, that doesn't prepare you for like any I mean that I had a minor in DNA biology. Oh good, good. <laughs> Um, no, I know nothing about cloning. I know that they cloned a sheep in the some type of time ago. I don't even know when. Oh, man. And, and its name was Dolly. Is that right? Yes, you're right. I know that from family trivia. Thank you. Um, oh, wait. But I, so I just looked her up to make sure. Um, so she was born. She was born in 96. Okay, I was going to say 90s, but then I got Yeah, I thought that was the 90s as well, but I just wanted to be 100%. So that's pretty much like my... uh, Familiarity. Yeah, so like, so so to your point, in when it comes to this movie, I buy it. Oh, (laughs) great. (laughs) I mean, I I know that it's silly, but like, I, I think it's, they give enough, I feel like in, well... Maybe not for science fiction. They don't give enough. But, like, they gave enough for me mm. to be on board. Mm. Okay. Um, I do have questions. I have. I mean, not to say that I don't have questions, because I've got lots of questions. Like, okay. So, do like, you want to, like, start with, like, a basicer one? One of my questions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if this is... I guess this is basic, but, like, how long... Did this well, I mean, this is, this is more specific about the movie, though. Okay. So we don't have to get we can okay. wait, but okay. Um, so then I guess my next follow up question is Do you know what DNA stands for? Oh, fuck. Um, uh, <laughs> um, data neuron anatomy. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That makes me feel stupid. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would say good I just said, try, I just, but that's like not even. 
I just no. said words that started with those. I know um, they were they were legitimately vaguely science oriented, but <laughs> uh, that is not what it stands for. Okay, what the heck does it stand for? Deoxyribonucleic acid. What? Wait. <laughs> Deoxy, wait, say those, to say the words separately of each other, deoxy, so, what is, so the, it's two words and the first word oh. is a long one and it's deoxyribonucleic. Deoxyribonucleic. Wow. And that's the DN. Right. And what was an acid? Right. Acid? Yeah. Oh yeah. I wouldn't have gotten that in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds vaguely familiar now that you say that, but I would I'm never sure, have gotten that. I'm pretty sure because we both went to school, like high school, I mean, in the 90s and early 2000s, um, DNA was like a thing. So I remember that just from like biology class from some time. Really? Like if, oh, really? I remember like the... You know, the, what you, now I can't even remember what it's called. The powerhouse of the cell, you know. Oh, that's mitochondria. mitochondria. And, okay, let's have a science podcast. But let's see what how other, much we can remember oh, from eighth grade biology. Like, yeah, there was another part of the cell that I think was just in plants that I really liked, that it was just like an empty space. But now I can't remember the name oh. of that. And either. then like photosynthesis. Sure, like. sure. So now we're just so, saying I'm high just school saying biology words. terms. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going back to high school biology and trying to remember the words. Yeah. So clearly, as we can see, that's why I would buy into whatever junk they're throwing at us in this movie because I have no actual knowledge. Yes. And I think that's what they're counting on. Oh, certainly. And especially in 1993, like the yeah. average person's understanding of DNA at that Because that's not point, why you're going to this movie, let's be clear. No, it isn't why you're going to this movie. But now I need to, I need to get some contextual timelines. Like when is the O.J. Simpson trial? Because that's another... 94, I think. 95. Uh, so, okay. so DNA in 93 is something that people know about, but do not understand, I would say. Like the average movie viewer. Um, yeah. And that, I think, does help us to uh, buy into this and story. To be clear, and I'm curious, like... We'll talk, we'll say in a second what we're talking about, but like I'm curious because I've actually never seen any subsequent movies in this uh, world or in this um, franchise. Yeah. So I don't know if they go yeah. more into that or yeah, if you're they... right. I haven't watched any of the following sequels or reboots or anything. So I don't know if they like update that for, I don't think people are still like across the board more educated <laughs> no no considering that um the various vaccines some of the best ones like, for covid are R mrna and so rna right. is ribonucleic acid which is right. related to dna um i don't yeah. know what the m stands for um but yeah. yeah i would i mean i guess i would say the difference between an audience in 1993 and today and what people know or don't know about dna is that now people 
ascribe a lot of power to DNA, like particularly mm-hmm. in like the crime world. Um, right. And and so from that, people believe that like kind of any criminal can be caught and like certain other kinds yeah. of things. And then as well, I was... Well, from, watch, from TV shows, right. like if that's what you're basing it on, you know, there's always DNA left behind. I think that's one of the big things that like cops and detectives like try to clarify is like there's not always dna right and then the other thing i was going to say that um i think is different uh in terms of how people think about dna is also the explosion of like all of those um genealogy websites right like and looking at your genes to determine things Mm -hmm. like am i lactose intolerant or like you know various things you can learn from that sort of analysis. Mm. Um, so I think there's that that's different um, because DNA is about your genetic traits, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so I think that's more developed than it would have been in 1993. But I, but in yeah. a general sense, I don't, I don't think that necessarily means that the average person understands it now any better than in 1993 it's just right it's just more in the like lexicon right yeah right so then amy because clearly i watch crime shows and i watch lots of dumb science fiction shit for this and i didn't know what the heck it the words were for dna so i don't think the average person like a dummy like me knows anymore <laughs> fair enough um so why don't you tell us amy so first of all i should say welcome oh did i say that already <laughs> i said it welcome to I don't even see know. you next week in space i'm sarah walsh i'm with my co-host amy walsh and amy why don't you say for our listeners if they've not already worked out what we're talking about today what movie we watched yeah so we watched the 1993 i will say classic i think it's pretty classic yeah. Um, and not in the general, the normal sarcastic way that I say it, um, Jurassic Park. Um, yeah, it's, has anyone out there not seen it? Cause it would be hard. I mean, it's an incredibly high grossing movie in its first iteration. Um, and then. I think there's, has a newest one come out? Like, as you already alluded to, there's various um, sequels in the first, kind of in the 90s there are sequels, and then there's, like, the Lost World stuff. Well, yeah, and then there's all, yeah, then there's all, like, the Chris Pratt stuff, right? Yeah. Jurassic World, Jurassic End of Times, I don't even know what they're called. I don't even know. Yeah, so the original... Oh, wow. There's so much more to this than I even knew. Um, but as well as there's a uh, animated show that's like, I think, mm. more aimed at teens that I like as well. That's like uh, in its second About season. About this? It's, oh, really? Yeah. It's called Camp Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. It's actually pretty cute. Um, oh. But yeah, just from my quick look on... Uh, IMDb, it looks like the next installment is going to be something called Jurassic World Dominion with Chris Pratt. Um, 
I mean, here's what I have to say. Then this is not a Jurassic Park takedown, but it's like these franchise movie takedowns. Sure. It's like enough. I was yeah. just listening to a podcast where they're talking about the ninth iteration of a movie that has to do with cars. I think everyone knows what that is. I was listening and- to that same podcast <laughs> the other day and I was like, I got to watch that movie. Really? That's exactly not what I thought about it. I thought I in my head, I was like, I'm so glad I only ever saw the first one because that the rest seems like a waste of time. And the fact that they're going to have 11. Why do you need to have 11 of the same movies? Like, yeah, I just can we not think of anything else? People, what I will say that distinguishes the Fast and Furious franchise from uh, things like Jurassic Park, although I should be also transparent, I've not seen any of these other movies, um, (laughs) is, like, Fast and Furious does kind of, in a sense, like, quote-unquote, do the same story over and over again, but, like, there's nothing they won't try, right? And, and, (laughs) um, there's no real canon to speak of, and, um, so, like, they can just kind of... Are these good things? Well, (laughs) they might not work for... They might not work for everyone, but I'm like, but it creates a funness to the franchise where you're like, yeah. I know I'm, I know like they will do some things because it's like, it's got to be about cars to some degree. That's like part of right. the whole thing. But that's about it. Like we can kind of take yeah. this wherever we want to go. Whereas yeah. Jurassic related materials on the one <laughs> hand, you're like, it's just the same because it's like, we've got dinosaurs. That's where, that's what we're doing. I yeah. just don't know how much more mileage you can get out of. I agree because once you kill the like, right, like right, and like the kind of fun thing about the first one, and I literally again I've not seen any of the other ones, so I can't speak to how many people die in those. Right, but you, the kind of exciting thing, to be quite honest, and it makes me sound morbid, I guess, but about this movie is a. Big mind, a big majority of the people in it died. died. Yeah, no, I had for, I had, I had remembered it, but also forgotten it. I was like, this is like a horror movie. Like, oh yeah, um, there are some it's real like good action deaths. horror. Yeah, yeah, really good deaths. I, we should have a favorite death, and I already have mine. Oh, I think I know because it's probably mine too. Um, well, there's actually a couple. I mean, it's hard. I, yeah, there are two. There's two ones. very, and then yes, there's one that I I'm wish. I'm sure they're the same. And then there's one that's off stage that I wish I had seen, like the way they oh. depict it. The death is off stage, and I would have liked to see oh. it. Um, oh, interesting. But yeah, so I don't know. Like, also, we might just not be super dino people because. Yeah, no, uh, that I I think I've never even as a child, I wasn't a dinosaur child like there are, you know, Um, I find it very interesting. And let's be let's be like really honest for anyone who is ever confused. If we're going to talk about dinosaurs versus aliens, like I'd rather talk about dinosaurs. Well, yes, I I didn't even bother asking that question. (laughs) (laughs) If we're talking dinosaurs on Earth versus, like, a gray ship in space, give me dinosaurs all day long. Ooh, I'm now wondering if there's a sci-fi movie where it is dinos Dinosaurs in space. (laughs) Well, Voyager episode, there is a dino in space episode. Really? Yeah. Does it, like, fly around? No. Well, we can maybe cover it someday. Good God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
But, yeah, so, like, for me, this was definitely cool to see the rendering of the dinosaurs and to, like, imagine the story. But, like, I'm not such a just a pure dinosaur fan that, like, just seeing more and more, like, depictions of that is, like, going to be appealing to me. But there are many people, obviously, where that's... I think that's really the draw of most Yeah, and to be honest, like... And to be honest, like, the thing about this movie, like, and its ending, <laughs> not to skip to the end, but there are, like, the questions of what will happen in the right. future with right. this, whatever you want to call it, like, it, that is a fair point that there could be a lot to tell there. <laughs> right. And so, like, camp, the Camp Cretaceous episodes, um, that I quite enjoy, and that kind of is built on the notion that the park has somehow survived and then in a lot of ways at least the first season I haven't watched the second season yet is kind of like a rehash of Jurassic Park the movie in a sense but it's with Mm. like teens um or Mm. like tweens and it's animated and it's more about their interaction and the dinosaurs like create the conflict right um and so I enjoy that but like yeah beyond that who's to say um but I just wanted to say a couple things uh about the kind of what went into this movie so um intriguingly and I didn't know this and we don't have to talk a lot about the backstory because there's any number of like documentaries about the making of this movie um (laughs) there in fact uh I was just sort of watching the Netflix, the movies that made us show oh. about it. Um, mm. But what's, so there's a couple things that are interesting about this. So um, Michael Crichton, who writes the book that Jurassic Park is based on, which is called Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, that mm-hmm. book was published in 1990. But intriguingly, Crichton actually originally began toying with this idea as a screenplay. Um, Hmm. and he started working on it in the early 80s. Um, Hmm. and he is one of those guys, and I forget, we've talked about another author who is similar, where, like, he's doing both screenplays and novels simultaneously, and so Uh there's quite a lot of, um, like, his novels lend themselves to being turned into movies and vice versa, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. Now, in this case, I, I guess Michael Crichton was already... Oh, yeah, he was, because he had done Westworld, and he had done... Now I can't remember. There's uh, some other things. So he was already a known quantity amongst people in show okay. business. And so he was, like, talking with Steven Spielberg about how he was working on this dinosaur idea. And... So even before the book is published, so like I think if I remember correctly, this is like 1989. Crichton okay. is talking to Spielberg about his, this dinosaur idea, and Spielberg is like, because he's a big dino file. He was like, I uh, want to yeah. make that movie, and mm-hmm. so even before the book is published, there was already a plan that it was going to be a movie. There's a big bidding war about it um, between 
all the big studios. And so once mm. the movie starts rolling into production, they are documenting everything that they're doing. And so they have a uh, special book that they write about the making of the movie. They've got a documentary film about the making of the movie. Um, so this mm. is one, this is, I think the first movie we've ever covered where there's all this kind of additional material. We're um, not the best source of information. No. If and, you and, say. and all of that is to say is I don't think that we need to really retread things that are very easily accessible to people if they want to yeah. know more about the making of the movie. But what I will say is that to me, what is kind of interesting about this movie is two um, things. First, that um, it ultimately, the studio that wins the bidding war is Universal Studios. And mm-hmm. uh, Universal Studios, uh, I re- when I realized that, I was like, oh, this is actually in the tradition of the Universal Monster movies that they had done kind of like mm. in the early and mid-20th century. It's kind of re... Um, returning to those older roots that Universal had established early on. Um, mm-hmm. Did you know about the Universal monster movies thing? Uh, not really, no. But like, like all those, those? That's like Frankenstein, that Frankenstein, type of thing? Frankenstein, the original The Mummy, uh, Dracula, mm. um, got, not Godzilla, but like similar to like yeah. monster films, like... Creature from the Black Lagoon, like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then this also, I guess, speaks to what we were just talking about. Um, in that heyday of doing oh, and Werewolf Man, the Werewolf. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so like, uh, in those days where those were like the really popular money making movies, Universal would churn out all kinds of sequels to uh, you know okay. um like bride of frankenstein for example is a real right, classic right. one um okay so in that sense i was like oh i hadn't i certainly never knew that as a child because i didn't know anything about anything as a child but um <laughs> i knew a lot about my little ponies i guess but um not about like, <laughs> i mean life pretty much things. the same <laughs> i yeah i still i guess know a fair bit about that but um the point is, is like I, now I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool to think about it as part of this longer cr- tradition that Universal is known for as making these monster movies. And in fact, one of the ways that's made into the film is like the big gate that opens into Jurassic Park is modeled mm-hmm. after the gate that um, the people walked through in the original King Kong movie oh. from the 30s. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so that was kind of fun. And then the other thing I felt like I wanted to just like flag because maybe this goes to some of the questions that you have about kind of the movie and what it, uh, purports to say, um, is that quite a lot of it, apparently it was perceived as riffing off kind of the concept of Frankenstein, um, and specifically kind of this issue of like, what happens when humans create life or like, um, I guess another way you could think about it is like when humans play God. Mm. But my question about all of this, like Frankenstein and all of kind of the various iterations where people involve, like do what we might call creating life. I'm like, what's weird to me is even like in the Wikipedia description of this, 
they'll say like, this is about what happens when humans create life. And I'm like, humans do create life all the time. It's called pregnancy. Right. I mean, there should be a distinction like humans create, and it's not even artificial life, like humans create other beings of other because that's what they mean, right? You know, Frankenstein is a monster, not a human. Dinosaurs are dinosaurs, not humans. But yeah, humans do create life, but of their own species, right? Say. And especially like the original Frankenstein, that really was not seen at the time, but it was about like the perversion of pregnancy right like here's a man oh, was it? well I don't know but like that's how it can be read now which or like a more feminist reading of it now is that a man is trying to create a human and he's doing all this work and all this endeavoring to try and do it when women do it all the time but he just doesn't seem to like care yeah. about that right like I mean pregnancy is wild and could be kind sure. of a monster movie in and of itself <laughs> yeah and and actually I'm sure there are horror movies and sci-fi movies that well actually that's actually a whole genre unto itself of like and there are various feminists who critique this because quite often when it comes to science fiction depicting pregnancy um whether the pregnancy is in a male or female human body um, it's always as this incursion. Um, yeah. And it's like the... Like the baby's an alien. Right, the baby's an alien. There's an episode of Star Trek Next Generation where Troy gets kind of impregnated by an alien species. Um, it's even more pronounced when it's a male human who gets impregnated, which also exists. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's kind of this constant thing of like totally disregarding the fact that um, women have been creating life and creating human life since human life ever was. Um, But then these stories are often about, honestly, like white men trying to do something similar and it getting totally fucked up. But then again, I guess that is just the truth. Is like when anybody else... That's just life. When like white men get... (laughs) Like, I think I'm going to try my hand at something. Everyone's like, please don't. It usually please gets don't. ruined. Like, we've yeah. been doing this. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Um, yeah. Like a white Haven't guy. Have seen the patterns of the last 400 years? It ain't going well. I know. Well, it's like a middle-aged white guy being like, I'm going to get into making hot sauce. I'm like, no, you don't need to do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Other people can do that. Um, Someone else. Let somebody else handle that. And I yeah. do think. So, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, and I was, was going to say, I was just going to say that that, I think, especially helps to understand the characterization of John Hammond, the guy who makes Jurassic Park. This idea that he's, like, so committed to what he perceives as his creation, even though technically yeah. he doesn't even create the dinosaurs, he just pays for it all. Um, right. That, I just, uh, like... I have so many questions about that guy and (laughs) like, and kind of my question, like if I guess we can like, I don't know if it's like skipping ahead or what, but like when he, I know we haven't even like talked about the people in it yet, but like when he brings them there, he's already got like full grown adult dinosaurs, like roaming around. How long has he like been 
doing and are there not regulations that he's got to like to like park permits and stuff i just don't i don't quite understand like how he's been able to get as far in the process as he's gotten without yeah getting well type of shut down so i also wondered when i was watching this like is this supposed to be happening in 1993 or is it supposed to be kind of like the near future and Mm, i think that's a good question i think it's supposed to be 1993 um i mean they don't make any uh attempt to make their clothes look on 93 because their clothes are very 93 and like also in that scene where alan is and the computers and everything it's it's definitely 1993 um so i think in terms of like the timeline that we're imagining he has to have had this idea for quite a while. But in terms of then the logistics of like, so first what, like I imagine anyway, what would first have to happen is he would have to be looking for these special mosquitoes for a while. Yeah, for God's sakes. I mean, the, the amount of time it would have to take truly to think about it, like from the conception to finding an entire island you can use. <laughs> right. Like all of that. Like that's I would that's say a lot of legwork. if I were thinking about the logistics, I would say first he comes up, first he reads an article that says, isn't this an interesting kind of hypothetical? Then yeah. he's like, I wonder what that might mean. Then he starts just kind of putting out feelers. He's this rich guy, right? So like he yeah. can put out feelers and say, I'm interested in obtaining um amber with insects in it okay um yeah then he starts collecting that and then maybe he gets like a small group of scientists to start testing if they can can like what they can find out of these mosquitoes and so on and so forth so i feel like the finding of amber and such has to have started at least 10 years before the point that we catch up oh for sure and possibly longer but at least that yeah Um, definitely and then as for like the permits and regulations i mean like that's part of they don't explain this but i have to assume that part of the reason why this is set in a fake island off the coast of costa rica is because generally speaking if you are a powerful wealthy person that is throwing money into a smaller country's economy, they let you do whatever you want. Mm. So that's that, you know. Um, <laughs> that's that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit anyway. about the cast. Again, I don't think we need to talk too much about most of these people because they are very yeah. famous and known quantities. Um, but first and foremost, there's the character... Um, Alan Grant, who is played by Sam Neill, who was 46 when this movie premiered. Um, Mm -hmm. I've known about Sam Neill. I think this was, this would have certainly, for me, been my first exposure to him. Um, Mm -hmm. he's actually, um, a Kiwi, if you didn't know that. Yeah. Um. I, I feel like I thought, I knew he, I probably thought he was Australian, but... Yep. Yeah. He's a Kiwi. Um, he was born in the UK to a British mom and a Kiwi dad, and then they moved to New Zealand when he was seven. Um, and in fact, I, this isn't one of his first U.S. movies, but there was a point 
and I have it in my handwritten notes where his accent started coming through a little bit. Um, oh, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, he's still practicing. Like when he maybe. does, <laughs> like when he does more like screamy type of stuff. I can't or... remember when we hit it. I'll mm-hmm. say it. Um, okay. But so, uh, obviously, this is his super big break. But he had already been in a couple of things in the U.S. that he would have been recognizable to a fair few people. He was in The Mm -hmm. Hunt for Red October and Mm. The Piano, which both happened, I think, in, like, 90 and 92. So he was, like, on the upswing, and then obviously this movie, like, super launched him into the stratosphere. Um, Yeah. Now his... uh, I don't know if they're... I guess they're lovers, or, like, are they... A couple? I think they're supposed to be sort of coupley, though they're kind of weird. I know. They, so, th- go ahead. They're not really combat- compatible, but I think <laughs> they, like, have the same job, so they're, and, like, she's the only woman, so, like, yeah, that's, like, As is typical is. of these films um, <laughs> yeah. at this time. So, Ellie is played by Laura Dern, who is 26, um, mm-hmm. and, in fact, like, unlike Sam Neill, who was kind of just hitting his big stride she had been around for quite a while um and although this was probably a big boost to her career as well um and part of the reason why she uh got such an early start is because she's the daughter of Bruce Dern and Diane Ladd both of whom Mm -hmm. are actors themselves um Mm -hmm. and so basically so she's like born and raised in like Beverly Hills or Hollywood or she's had she's had an amazing career like since then yeah um but basically so from very early age she wanted to act and so much Mm -hmm. so that I think when she was like 13 or 14 she wanted to be in some movie and her mom Diane Ladd uh was like no 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 I like I can't like she had already been in other films but for whatever reason her mom really didn't want her to be in this movie And so Laura Dern got emancipated from her when she was like 13 or 14 years old so she could do this movie. Um, But eventually they, I mean, I don't know what that did to their relationship, but they have worked together subsequently um, Hmm. in different movies, including um, this one movie from 1985 called Mask, uh, which also Hmm. featured a young Eric Stoltz. Um, that's oh, the one whoa. where it's like the guy, it's also got Cher. Um, it's. Oh, is it the guy who's got elephantitis? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I can picture the cover and it's a little disturbing, but yeah. yeah. So she was in that early on and then she was also hmm. in Blue Velvet. Um, and then yes, as you say, she has only gone from strength to strength. She has like a bajillion credits. Um, yeah. more recently she was in the more recent, um, Twin Peaks series. And then mm. I was, and in this upcoming movie of the Jurassic Park franchise, she will be returning as Ellie for some portion of the movie. Um, next we have oh. the character called Malcolm, which is Jeff Goldblum, who was 41 when this movie <laughs> Uh, was released, but we've already talked mm-hmm. about Jeff Goldblum. So yeah, we don't got to talk about him. We don't but have. Uh, he is very Jeff Goldblum. In oh this movie. yeah, he is like peak Jeff Goldblum, and we will <laughs> yeah. be talking about when he's lounging around, somewhat shirtless, in one of those scenes. 
Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Because okay. it was hilarious. Um, so now <laughs> this is actually someone I did want to talk about is the guy who plays John Hammond is an actor named Richard Attenborough, who was 70. Um, mm-hmm. And he is the brother of David Attenborough. Do you, Have you ever heard of David Attenborough? That sounds familiar, but I don't know what that means. But no. So, uh, so David Attenborough is a famous, um, like, naturalist is too old-timey. But he's, like, one of those guys who does, like, documentaries about nature and animals oh. and stuff. And he's very okay. well-known. Um, he's a British guy. And his most recent one on Netflix that came out is the one that's called Life in Color. And it's all oh. about like different ways that color matters in the natural world. Okay. Um, and so I already thought that was interesting because like in a sense his brother Richard is playing a version of what his what David Attenborough might become in like a different life, right? Mm-hmm. Like because mm-hmm. I think what I did like about Richard Attenborough's portrayal of Hammond is you can tell that he really does seem like enamored of the majesty of nature right like okay and how science can help nature along in different ways and I felt like in that sense Mm -hmm. I was like oh he it's maybe he's like taking some of this from how his brother speaks and acts um Mm -hmm. but so so part of the reason also uh Richard Attenborough can do such a good job of being this kind of um erudite older man is because his parents, his father was like um, an important professor at a British university. And so in his backstory, like Richard Attenborough's bio on IMDb has a lot of different various like efforts he's done to support education all throughout mm-hmm. his life. Um, in terms of his acting, uh, he was one of the original cast, the original London cast of Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap, which is one of the oh. longest running plays in the West End today. Um, I, I think it's I also the know that. longest running. I also know that from family trivia. <laughs> cool. Um, and also interesting is that, um, so he he was a, uh, I forget when his first credit was, but he was a very kind of regular appearing actor. And then he did a movie, I want to say in like 1979, and then just kind mm-hmm. of like didn't, he was like, I've had enough. For some reason. Um, mm-hmm. So this is his first appearance back after. Oh. like, So he hadn't been in a movie since 1979. And then he was in this movie. Um, and then uh, the most. Well not the most important. But the thing I like kind of most about this guy. Is that he got married to his wife in 1945. And then remained married to her. Until his death in 2014. Um, mm. So he. I don't know if he's a good husband, but he stuck it out. So good for him. <laughs> um, and then some of the other characters who sort of matter, um, I guess they do, uh, is the character of Lex, who is the teen girl. And that is played by an actor named Ariana Richards, who was 14 when this movie came out. Um, and so this she's is kind annoying, of... but She is very annoying, but I was like... She, they, she's a good actress. Like, no, I she mean, is, but like, I was like, why have they made her be so fucking hysterical? Like, it's so annoying. Because like, she's like the girl. I know. Like, her brother, who is smaller than her, is way more chill. And that's very frustrating. Um, yeah. 
Or maybe she liked doing like screamy, like shaky face stuff. Like because that, that was I mean, like she her was bread very and butter. Good she at that it. shaky thing. Yeah, she, she was. She was very good at it. So she obviously was a child actor. Um, her first credit is an episode of Golden Girls. Um, Love that. And after Jurassic Park, she did a couple like Lifetime movie sounding things, um, like things like. My mother stole me and like shit like that. Um, <laughs> but then, but the face on the milk carton. Yeah, that's or a good one. is that a real name of a thing? The face on the milk carton, absolutely, because she finds out like it's not this girl, but she finds out that when she's a teenager, she finds out oh, that, that she, she had been was. Kidnapped. She was, I guess, yeah, it's like her parents had kidnapped her from like a mall or something oh, when God. she was a baby. Well, so she was in some anyway. stuff like that. Um, and then kind of as she's leaving her teen years um, and moving into her early 20s, I guess she had always enjoyed painting. And there was some weird, like mm. some of that trivia stuff that said she had painted um, a watercolor that Steven Spielberg really liked and now like then kept as a rem- remembrance of this mm. movie. Um, but now she doesn't really act. She does painting, and specifically, she's a portraitist. Um, okay. And I, she's got a website where you can look at various samples of her hey. portraits and stuff. Um, and so that's what she's doing with her life. Um, Good for her. Yeah. Meanwhile, the kid who played her brother Tim. Um, is an actor named Joseph Mazzello, who was 10. Um, and this was, Jurassic Park was his sixth credit, so he was doing quite a bit of child acting. Um, and then he, again, he's still acting now, um, but he went through that period, which I think many child actors go through, which is like the awkward teen years, where you kind of disappear for a while, and then sure. you come back because, like, he had some f- pretty solid uh, gigs up until kind of, like, the early 2000s. And then things kind of thinned out. And then <laughs> by 2009, he starts having more regular work again. Um, okay. And he's still doing that. Nothing super major, but he's still there. Um, then the other person who I had forgotten that he was in this, is a character called Arnold that's played excellently by Samuel L. Jackson. Um, (laughs) I love... He's got one of the most famous lines in this movie. I know. Hold on to your butts. And he says it multiple times. Yeah, and it's great. And I wrote it down every time he said it. Um, (laughs) So he was 45 when this movie was released. um, And... So I would say he's another good example of, like, if you've not fully made it and you're, like, 27 and worried about that, like, don't worry about it because you, your thing might not really hit until later in your life. Um, just in case you were ever sad about the way your life is going, just remember that Samuel L. Jackson was 45 in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, even though he had had... Again, like many, I think I would say he's kind of reminding me a little bit of Sam Neill in the sense that, like, he had been working for a while and he'd had some Mm -hmm. good roles come along, Mm -hmm. like, and particularly um, in Spike Lee 
movies, like Do the Right Thing and Jungle Fever. So he'd been growing, growing, growing. I think this movie probably makes a big impact on his career, right? Um, Because he's in... Well, yeah, he did Pulp Fiction the next year. Damn. Right. So, and I know Pulp Fiction then even launched him further into the stratosphere. Um, And as you can see here, after I said he was in Pulp Fiction in 1994, I was like, he's just a general badass and cool guy. And yeah, and now he's just like, a, well, I mean, this is not just what he is, but, you know, in current day iterations, like, uh, he's known for his swearing and he's very, quote unquote, meme-able. Sure. Because um, <laughs> he has funny lines. He does have very funny lines in movies. Yes. Um, so I also just did want to say that similar to good old um, Richard Attenborough, Samuel L. Jackson has been married to the same woman since 1980. Um, Okay, good for them. And also, I wanted to mention that, uh, because I didn't know this about him, he attended Morehouse College, which is a historically black college, um, and studied drama there with various other people who now I can't remember, but they were all like, you know, big deal um, mm-hmm. black American actors of like mm-hmm. similar note and timing. <laughs> um, and then finally we have the character of Nedry that's played by oh, yeah. a 38-year-old Wayne Knight who we've spoken about already when we spoke about Space Jam, so we don't really need to talk yeah, about... Yeah, we don't need to talk about Newman. Yeah, I did write, keep writing his name as Newman. And I the, mean, he's Newman. I'm he's sorry. Newman. <laughs> and I mean... <laughs> He was a bit... And he kind of plays Newman Yeah, I was going to say, he was a bit Newman in Space Jam, but he is definitely Newman in he's this. He's full Newman in this. Because yeah, Newman like, is unlikable and crappy, yes. and that is what Nedry is as well. I, I mean, he's straight up in this movie. I will say, like, the difference between... <laughs> in case anyone cared, the difference between Newman and this character is in this one, he is like basically a straight up villain and a huge portion of what happens is his fault. Right. I mean, one could say most of it. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could put some more onus on the person who like had the original thought. True. But yes, he is, you know. And it also proves that, guys, also, (laughs) when you have like things that are technology based don't ever just let one person know what's going on True. like you should always yeah. have at least two people <laughs> at least two maybe a whole team yeah you might want you would probably want even more than that because you never know <laughs> yeah so let us now bust into the true like box office mega hit jurassic park <laughs> and so. i will say like even though i've definitely seen this movie many times since 1993. It's not one of my go-to ones. So there were bits of this that I didn't remember at all. Yeah. And the opening scene was one of those ones where I was like... Well, the opening is kind of like blah. No, I thought it was like really... It was much more intense than I remembered because it's the part where they're in the jungle. It's night. There's lots of men standing around this like big crate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the crate is being, like, lifted and put into a thing, and Mm -hmm. um, we see the main hunter guy who's named Muldoon, um, (laughs) and then we also get a title card that tells us we're in Isla Nublar, 120 miles west um, of the coast of Costa Rica, 
Mm-hmm. And so there's all these guys with guns, and there's weird, like, rustling in the trees. And then this crate gets <laughs> lowered down into, like, I don't know what I would call it. I guess, like, a cage. Um, yeah. And then the cage is, a, like, a budding a gate. And there's a guy on top whose job is to open the gate to let the thing that's in the crate out, like, into the paddock, right? Right. Um, so, Amy, what happens to that guy on the top of the it, crate? I'm just going to let you guys know that, it like, it doesn't end well. Um, he gets pulled in. Yes. And then, like, other everyone else is, like, freaking out, and they're, like, trying to hold him, but he gets pulled in by said um, anonymous thing. Yeah, we don't know exactly what it is yet because we haven't had a reveal. Right. Um, Though any of us from 2021 know what, what it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And so this is like, I don't know if I would say this is one of my top deaths, but it's pretty gory because you see Muldoon is holding onto the top half of this guy who's being pulled into the cage by something, yeah. by his legs. And yeah. um, Muldoon is just shooting or screaming, shoot her, shoot her. And you see, like, the guy who's being presumably eaten (laughs) or bitten in half. Um, Like, it it was pretty, like, I don't know if it's my top death of this, but it's, like, a pretty intense one to kick off. Definitely not the top. It's intense to kick off the movie. Yeah, but there's definitely ones that we see more of that are more satisfying. Right. And so I didn't remember that that's the tone, which is, like, it shows so much more, like, Oh, that this is not really the feel-good movie that I'm remembering this being. Well, and it also shows that actually um, this the Hammond guy is a little bit more. Um, uh, what's the word? Like a little bit more deceptive mm. than because yeah. he would clearly know that that incident happened. Right. Like there'd be no way that he wouldn't. Right. So he's hiding that type of stuff, the fact that there could be dangers. He really downplays that right. throughout. And you're right, because then the very next scene is where we see this guy in a suit. Um, the character's name is Gennaro. And mm-hmm. he's in a suit, on a raft, in a jungle, going down a river. And he super doesn't look like he belongs. He looks very uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, we get another title card that explains to us that this is a place called the Mano de Dios Amber Mine in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And Gennaro then has a chat with a character called Rostagno, I guess, um, which is um, younger Michael Sandoval, Miguel Sandoval, who I like as an actor, and I kind of wished mm. he had been more in this. But anyway, it's probably better for his health that he wasn't. Um <laughs> But so, yeah, there's like these little throwaway lines that Gennaro is saying to Restagno that are like, yeah, the family of the guy who got eaten are suing. And that's why I'm here, because the investors are worried. Um, so there's no way that Hammond doesn't know that this is happening. Oh, no, he definitely. And that's why that other one of the dudes on the actual trip is a lawyer, isn't it? Right. That's isn't this that guy. guy a lawyer? Yeah, that's oh, okay, this guy. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um. And so, like, and Rostagno, so this is where we get our first 
reveal of the mosquito in amber because that's what Rastogno's mm. job is, is to find these amber mosquitoes. Um, mm-hmm. And Rastogno is saying, yeah, he's doing, this is a lot of exposition, but it's done in an interesting way where like, as the viewer, I was like, oh, this is, seems very light touch exposition in a sense. <laughs> like, I could use yeah. a bit more of this. Um, but like Rastogno is like, Hammond will never give up. Hammond is a digger just like me. Um, so there's nothing that's going to stop him. And you being, like, tasked with inspecting. That's why this lawyer, Gennaro, is there. is because he's been tasked by the investors to, like, do an inspection of all aspects of right. this project. So he's gone, he's gone right. to the mine, and then he's going to go to the park. So next, we cut to... Um, the quote-unquote badlands in Montana, um, somewhere in Montana, don't know exactly where, and <laughs> we see Grant and Ellie running a dig, looking for dinosaur bones, um, mm-hmm. and they're using ground-penetrating radar to try and I figure out where certain bones might be. Um, mm-hmm. and what I thought was weird about this, so this was in my handwritten notes. I was like, is this set in 1993 or like, when is this happening? Because yeah. I wasn't, I know that ground penetrating radar exists, but I wasn't sure what the deal was. And particularly Grant is acting like it's a super newfangled thing that he doesn't understand. He, and he like he didn't even understand the screen. Like yeah. he was like, yeah, that's true. I never, I didn't think about that, but yeah. And so I actually did a little brief Google and, um, ground penetrating radar has been around for a, an exceptionally long time. Um, <laughs> but the kind of version that they were using in this movie has been available to people basically since the mid seventies. Um, so, so he's just a dumbass. I don't really understand why he's acting so like, I mean, admittedly, it's Maybe been, they didn't use it for things like this. Well, yeah, like, I was going to say like, it's been available for commercial use since the mid seventies. Academics maybe haven't had the money to do it till later, <laughs> which is fine. But, um, I mean, he just was acting like he had no idea what it even was. And I'm like, that seems strange. Well, the thing is, for educated people, which they are, clearly, that's, like, the whole point right. of this deal, they're stupid. <laughs> yeah, there's many times when we see like, that demonstrated. And I'll, yeah, and I'll we'll get to the first way very shortly. But, like, so, yeah, they're doing this dig thing, and then um, there's... It all kind of seems, seems apropos of nothing. I mean, it's just setting up who they are as characters. Right. But I love that you wrote <laughs> in this outline. It says, Grant hates kids. And why they're even talking about that, I don't know. Like, on a dig no. that has nothing to do with children. No. But I don't know why that child is even there. I and mean, why did that kid show up? And then there's literally a kid that shows up, like, out of nowhere. And is like, nah, you're an idiot or something. Yeah. I forget what he says. And I immediately was like, why do I know that kid? Oh, and yeah, Isaac that chubby immediately, kid. immediately... Isaac immediately was like, oh, he was in full house. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my God, he was. He was in, like, one episode of Full House, and oh that's God. how quickly Isaac I mean, I definitely <laughs> recognized his face as well, but I didn't bother to figure out I'm sure out he's been in other stuff, where. too. It's like some random kid actor, but he yeah. was in an episode of Full House. Well, so, okay. So I think what we're supposed to take 
from this is that, so one, obviously, it's establishing that Ellie and Grant are experts, and that's part of the point of this scene. Um, yeah. And in particular, what will become a kind of weird theme running through the movie is that Grant's research is very much around the idea that um, dinosaurs are the ancestors of birds, uh, modern-day right. birds, and everyone thinks he's an idiot because he's making these claims. Now, just to be clear, that that is what a lot of people think to be the case now. I'm not sure how cutting-edge that really was in 1993 yeah. or not, but like the whole his whole backstory is that people think he's a fool for yeah. saying this thing about how dinosaurs Are there pterodactyls evolved. in this movie? No. Those might be in other films, they though. They should. That's a missed opportunity. Had those. But they maybe didn't have the technology to do that at this point. Mm, maybe. Um, and maybe that's why the kid starts haranguing him, is about this bird thing. But then, yeah, he takes yeah. out, like, a claw from a raptor and describes how raptors kill their <laughs> prey to this child. Yeah. And I was watching it, and I was like this is horribly inappropriate. Like it's really inappropriate. <laughs> and it is, it's a little bit like heavy handed, uh, foreshadowing too. Right. And I'm um, like, I get, okay, you don't like kids. Fine. And then like Ellie even comments on it. And it's like this whole backstory that, but like, again, it's a backstory that doesn't seem to matter ultimately yeah, very it's much, dumb. but it's there. Um, so then, uh, chopper lands, and Hammond comes out and he says, like, to Ellie and Grant, like, come into your trailer. I want to speak with you about something. And he opens, opens a bottle of champagne and he's like, this is great. I'm so excited. Big news. And they're like, okay. Um, and he's like, yes, well, I haven't I been supporting your research for, like, quite some time? And they say, yes. Um, we learn that he's been giving them $50,000 a year. It's not clear how mm -hmm. many years that's been going on, but mm -hmm. um, basically the implication here is that it's time for them to give something back to, for that yeah. money he's given them. Um, yeah. And like they're a bit puzzled, but basically he's like, I've opened this uh, special kind of nature preserve and I want you to come and examine it. Uh, I think you'll be intrigued. And they're kind of like, well, you know, what would we have to do with the nature preserve? And he's being cagey. So he's like, just come on. Um, and he's yeah. like, but in order to like sweeten the deal, if you come for this weekend, I will give you, I will fund all of your research for the next three years. Um, mm -hmm. and so of course, and this is how they're stupid. Number one, because that, oh, well, I understand like the bribe situation, right? And, like, this is also why when people don't necessarily want to trust science, that's how like a broken clock is right twice a day, right? You're like, there's, a, there <laughs> is a lot of this weird, creepy shit that happens for real, like. Really? Like yeah. a weird, creepy man comes and says, come inspect my park and I'm not going to tell you anything else and I'll give that you That investors years. give you money and then because they've given you money, they expect certain results and they expect certain behavior from you. So it's like, even if the science would be one thing, they want you to portray it as differently. Mm. Um, that, it's yeah, more but like, 
like it's not necessarily in all things science, but it is often yeah. in things that are like about the application of scientific principles to like technologies that are going to be used for like commercial money making endeavors mm-hmm. right so but in this case it's like there's not much money well but i guess that's the whole point is there will be money in this if it works out but my whole point is like i get why they go i get why they they agree to it but like the thing is <laughs> they ask so few questions yeah. like i mean the, she kind of says like why do you need us what does our expertise have to do with this like I would think, A, they don't put any type of two and two together. Not, again, that you would think that he has a nature preserve full of dinosaurs, but... That would like, be a leap for anyone. <laughs> but they're not like, what are you... Like, just explain to us. Like, we'll go. We're on board. But, like, you've got to explain to us before we get in a helicopter and go to Costa Rica with you. Right. Like, I don't know. I just feel like this. They there's not enough inquiry here. Right. Fair. <laughs> Then we cut to some delightful-looking outdoor restaurant, which I wish I could go to. Um, yeah, it looked great. The drinks looked great. I was <laughs> the like, drinks look great. I felt like they showed an image of like something cooking on a grill, and I was like, I want to know what that is. Um, yeah, it looked great. But and where is that? Is that supposed to be in Costa Rica? I guess so. That's uh-huh. my presumption. Um, yeah. I guess it's meant to be like mainland Costa Rica. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, and we have Newman there. Um, <laughs> and he's meeting with some guy. The character is called Dodgson, I guess. Um, oh. and Did they say that? No, they didn't. I just learned it from my oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, okay. And so basically, Dodgson is just there to create the conflict of the story. Yeah. Um, and he's basically saying, he's showing um, Newman this uh, shaving cream can, and he's saying, yep. you can use this to steal samples. He wants embryos of all the different types of dinosaurs that they have developed at the park. Um, mm-hmm. I think he just says embryos and all the different species. So I think we, for us as the viewers, we, still technically we don't, don't know, know that it's dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although I gotta say... But you're at the goddamn movie called Jurassic Park. I know. Park. You know I was going to say, like, with the marketing and stuff, I think that's, like, why a lot of what would normally be exposition isn't there because yeah, everybody, knows everybody already knows where we're going. Um, yeah. So, and, the, and also why I think, you know, some of the science may be a, a touch glossed over or at least not, like, fully right. realized because, again, they're assuming... This is a summer blockbuster audience. They don't give a fuck. They don't need a lot of <laughs> fussing. Um, yeah. Just get to the fucking dinosaurs. Just show um, me the dinosaur. Eat the man off the toilet. Oh, don't give away your favorite death. Um, <laughs> so, so there's this like weird plotting and Newman looks at his peak Newmanius. He's like kind of like sweaty <laughs> and like looking around in a like, um, like in a sneaky manner. Um, and oh yeah, and I think, wait, hold on. Oh yeah, and then I wrote in my handwritten notes, Newman meets... He sweats so much in this movie. I know. In my handwritten notes, I wrote, Newman meets with fedora and sunglasses guy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, accurate. Because he was all duded up to like hide himself. And so basically, what he's saying is that uh, if he gets all 15 species, he... Newman will get 1.5 
million dollars. Um, yeah. And all we ever learn about Newman's motivation is that he says that Hammond, quote, got cheap on him. And we don't know entirely what that means. Um, but again, I would like to know more. I wonder if I wonder if any of ooh, I wonder if any of the subsequent movies are about what is this guy's name? Dodgson about him and like what his plan was. Yeah, well, because we that, have to assume there's some competitor who's vaguely yeah. aware of what's happening, and that's yeah. what they want. Um, but like, so yeah, there, so but this goes back to your thing that you said, which is like. If you are working on a thing where, like, security, both physical and online, is super important, don't yep. let one guy with various financial troubles be the only person Yeah, and don't screw system. him over. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't, whatever, we don't know what the scenario is here that he may, like, maybe he's delusional. But also don't let a delusional person... Uh, don't let Newman. No, now when be you see the only person, <laughs> when you see Newman, like creeping around a corner, looking creepy, you know he's done something bad, and then you should you know fire I him just immediately. Yeah, a hundred percent. But you know what I just realized as we continue to call him Newman. What? Um, I don't. I literally don't know who listens to this, but like anybody under the age of us. <laughs> probably doesn't know who Newman is. I know. Well, in the U.S., Seinfeld reruns are available, right? Like, you could watch. Hey, guys, have you ever heard of Jerry Seinfeld? Then look up Newman. You're all good. Here, Here's my version of Jerry Seinfeld, just to, like, give you a little taste if you've never oh, seen Oh, gosh. What's the deal with plumbing? It's like there's plumbing for your kitchen and there's plumbing for your bathroom. Isn't it just the same thing? It's all going out to the ocean. That's my Is that a real bit that he does? I actually don't know if that's... not good. I don't think it's a bit (laughs) he does, but his whole thing is that he used to say, what's the deal? What's the deal with? Yeah, that's his whole comedy shtick, and it's like... You know, thinking like making you think about stuff. That, anyway, we don't. Need, everyone knows who Seinfeld is. I think it's is, I called figured, but observational humor. Yeah, but I, I mean, I just, I figure. And people, to me, like, if we were saying the humor part of that is extremely light. <laughs> well, especially now, like it used to be funnier. Now it's very like, you know, I could nah. But yeah. like, he used to have some stuff that seemed cutting edge at the time. Anyway, the point being that Newman <laughs> was his nemesis is on Seinfeld. In Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, so now we everyone has arrived. All the various players have arrived for their tour um, of Isla Nublar. So that is Grant and Ellie, Hammond, the lawyer Gennaro. Um who in my notes on this, because he's in the chopper, and I was like, suit guy isn't wearing pants? Question mark. And then I wrote, hairy knees. And Ew, I, is he wearing shorts? He's wearing a suit that's got shorts as the that's bottom That's bad. Part. Yeah, it's real bad. Um, so it's him plus Hammond plus Ellie and Grant, and then also this is when Jeff Goldblum comes. He is Malcolm the Mathematician. Um, but specifically his and area, the mathematician, I'm not sure about that, but, um, <laughs> he's been invited. I mean, fine, whatever. I guess he's meant to also be there to like speak 
to be one of an expert in some capacity. Although his area of yeah. mathematics is about like chaos and stuff, so I'm like, I'm not sure how that. Well, I mean, it I mean, turns out it to turns be. out to be accurate, but <laughs> yeah, like, and especially because like they just needed him for like the. <laughs> I mean, this is Jeff. They, them needing Jeff Goldblum, not them needing the character, but they needed the dry humor, right? And Jeff the Goldblum. sex appeal. There was nothing. Uh, there was well. nothing sexy about anybody else in this movie. Um, was he sexy? Because I didn't get that from him either. Yeah, I keep telling you. There's a part where he's lounging around where his shirt's open, and that's and he's like glistening. That was sexy. I mean, it wasn't for me, but I, that was what it was there for. Mm, I I miss that part. Um, so this whole confab arrives at Isla Nublar. Um, they're driving in the Jeep. And this is when the lawyer, Gennaro, is asking some more questions about, like, what are the safety protocols? Um, because he's still, you know, working in this capacity of investigating for the investors. You know what one question they don't ask? Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what one question the, like, safety protocol guy doesn't ask? He doesn't ask, what happens if the digital shit goes down and Newman is nowhere to be found? <laughs> he doesn't ask that question. <laughs> he doesn't. Um, no, that's but what he should have asked. Perhaps part of the reason he doesn't ask it is because Hammond is so dismissive of every question that he asks. And he's like... We've thought of everything. Just leave me alone. And he's doing the usual thing of like, oh, these suits always getting in the way of like progress and whatever. <laughs> and mm. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't like this lawyer guy either. He seems smarmy and gross. But yeah, that doesn't mean his questions aren't valid questions to be asking about your dinosaur right. theme park. Um, yeah. Because then, of course, so they're in the different Jeeps. There are two Jeeps, I guess, uh, for, to come hold them all and they're driving through the park and then they come up on this hillside and then there is the reveal of what and a great music cue yeah yeah, yeah. isn't because um, that's the like, it's great everybody knows yeah that's like the known one of the most like uh evocative themes it's yeah, um, it's great. Any franchise for sure. Um, I mean, it makes you just want to like flap your wings like you're a pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> you're really on this pterodactyl thing. I know. Now I'm really like sad there wasn't one. Um, um, so the reveal is they come up over the hillside of this shit. Yeah. And all they see for, you know, as far as the eye can see is effing dinosaurs. Right. And um, in my handwritten notes, I wrote to myself, is this CGI or animatronic? And now having watched a little bit of the thing on Netflix about this movie, this would have been all CGI to do this Yeah, the shot. far away stuff. Um, and I think the, up, right? Like the yes, far away stuff the close would be CGI. Ups, the close-ups were a lot of like animatronics and also stop yeah. motion stuff. Um, oh. So like practical effects. Uh, mm -hmm. But so this reveal is a CGI reveal. Um, and this would have been one of the earliest kind of movies to really use so much CGI. Um, and it looked pretty good. It I gotta looked pretty say, good. Like, it's like, it's not great. Like they're like the scene where they are running from that weird herd of things that look kind of like prehistoric ostriches. 
Um, yeah, those yeah. look a little cartoony, but most of it is quite well done. And of yeah. course, like everyone's jaw drops. There's like a great shot where like literally every single person has their mouth in a big O with the exception <laughs> of Hammond, who of course he knows what he's revealing. Um, yeah. And I mean, I mean, to be fair, what would your reaction be? I would scream and run. <laughs> I mean, if I, I was, were seeing like, if I were seeing like brontosauruses and other things that I knew were not meat eating, I'd be like, Here's Whoa, the other question. That's cool. Here's like, the other effing question. Why? Why? You have this place. Fine. You want to do this dinosaur thing. You want to do this cloning thing. Fine. In the inside part of the park and like sciency area, you can have all the information you want on the T-Rex and the raptor and the, uh, you know, spitting yeah. neck guy. Umbrella whatever. guy. <laughs> yeah. Like you can have all the information. You could have, you know, little, again, a little, you could have like animatronics of them. You could have replicas, whatever, all of the info that you want that you can get people to. But then in the outdoor, like, whatever you call it, it's observatory where you've got the real dinosaurs, keep those herbivores. I know. Keep them, like, why? That's, like, so obvious. And I'm not a dinosaur amusement park owner. And I feel like that seems obvious. Correct. I mean... Even those animals, because of their size, would... They could still kill people. Yeah, but, like, it would be significantly easier to avoid various types of concerns if you just were, like, we're only going to bring to life ones that don't eat meat. Um, Like Ladoy. Yeah. And also just for your overhead. It's, like, so much easier to just plant a bunch of grass... Yeah, you don't have to kill cows every day. I know, because that's really expensive, honestly. Um, It is. But so... And I don't like that part. No. Um, So there's all these faces of, like, amazement and wonder. And I think probably I might feel that, too. Um, Sure. But immediately showing just how terrible this lawyer character is meant to be... Gennaro has completely stopped asking questions about safety and is like, how much are we charging for this? Yep. To see this. Because he's, yep. And mm-hmm. he's like, we're going to make a fortune. Um, and then. Which is wild. Like, I know. I can't, like, does. <laughs> so, but he, like, again, because he knows about the dead person. Yes, he does. Okay, okay, okay. I don't... <laughs> he doesn't I mean, care. got it. Gotcha, okay. Yeah. I guess that's it. Um, so then, I forget if it's Ellie or Grant, but one of them asks, how did you do this? So then we cut to being in this theater thing, which had a very, like, Disney feel to it, like Disney World Ride feel where yeah, I in, loved that actually. Yeah, and it took me it back there. to like, like going to the to Disney World when I was like around yeah. that age of like, yeah, you would go in and it would be like something like called like the World of Tomorrow or a bit like Hall yeah. of Presidents or whatever. And you know, like have this like explainy totally. video. Um And you could make it even cooler, like again, with the separating the uh the what are they what the heck? Um carnivores from 
the others. And, like, you could even have a cool little, like, shit about the carnivores in there that's, like, almost sort of live action-y if that's what you want. Yeah. So they're watching this video, and this is the only explanation that we get about, like, this, how this has all transpired. So Mm -hmm. basically... Um, cause there's like an animated DNA strand that's talking and then there's, um, <laughs> Hammond himself appears in the video and then it shows different clones of him talking. And yeah. the basic gist is that they have found dinosaur DNA in mosquitoes caught in amber and they have extracted that DNA and then they have then kind of mapped that DNA and... Like, this is where, uh, it's kind of, hold on. I just want to see one quick thing about, um, yeah, mapping the human genome. Um, okay, so, yeah. So, the Human Genome Project was something that was happening in the 90s. It was a very big deal, and it was about, um fully mapping the human genome so like cracking mm-hmm. and cipher and kind of determining all the different patterns of the dna of a human being now that had begun mm-hmm. in 1990 but it wasn't fully achieved until 2003 so oh, wow. the idea that this hidden group of scientists have not simply found the presence of dinosaur DNA, but that they have mapped it entirely such that they can even identify gaps that need to be filled with frog DNA is completely nuts. <laughs> like, that this is happening in 1993. Yeah. But that... that yeah, that... Um. But I mean, I didn't know anything about DNA, and I don't. I didn't know what it was even standing for. So I'm not like again. I was on board pretty quick, but <laughs> yeah. So, but here the, the but I can see the flaw. Yeah. So the problem here, or well, what we the foreshadowing is, is that we're taking this DNA, which of course over all the millennia and hundreds of thousands of years since dinosaurs have existed, the DNA isn't complete. And so we need to complete it to actually do the cloning process. Um, mm-hmm. And I wrote, you know, like strangely, like the cloning process was possible in a sense um, at this time because Dolly is only a few years later, but the DNA reconstruction part was very much farther away. Um, and this is a key point that we need to keep under our hats for later, which is that they use this frog DNA to fill things out. Um, yeah. Then uh, the ride, so they've just been in this theater, but then it turns into a ride because then they're moving through and they have like a window onto the lab. Mm-hmm. And when um, Ellie and Grant and Malcolm see that, uh, they're like, we're getting off this ride. We actually want to go into the lab and talk to these people and see what's what. So they disrupt the ride and they go into the lab. And then there's one of my favorite guys, good old B.D. Wong is there. Love me some B.D. Wong. And I, I remember I was like, hey, B.D. Wong. <laughs> and even though I, like, he really reminded me a lot of his character 
from SVU in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know he's a like he's a very versatile actor. But in this, I was getting real like is he Wong in SVU? I can't. Uh, or no, that he, that's his right. own but name. I can't remember what his name but is. It, in but that SVU. might be what the, his name. I can't remember, but. Um, but he's a psychiatrist, right. not a scientist in right. that one. Right. Yeah. Um, but so he's there, and he's meant mostly there to kind of further elaborate how this pre- how this has actually worked. Um, yeah. And so they like kind of take some DNA and like swirl it in a jar, I guess, and then they like <laughs> make it into embryos. And then um, the thing that so and this is also a question that I don't fully understand. So we know that there are embryos because that's what Newman needs to steal. And we right. know that there are eggs because that's where we see this hatchling come out uh, in this right. scene. But, like, an embryo needs to be implanted in an already living thing to then lay yeah, the that's egg. A good point. Like, that's how Dolly existed is that the embryo was a cloned embryo and then it was put into a live sheep so Another that the sheep, sheep right. gave birth to Dolly. So do you, now do you suppose though they show so they show when this the egg that's hatching is a raptor, right? And I don't know they, if it's clear what it is, but I thought they said I thought that I thought the New Zealand guy said what is Oh his maybe. Name? <laughs> uh, I thought he said what his is name that is and I think they Alan Grant in this movie. Yeah. I think he says what species is that, and I think he says it's the raptor. Oh, okay. I forget, but because again, they like really go hard on the foreshadowing of raptors. Yes. Um, and um, he says that so maybe we're supposed to imagine, which it didn't. I didn't even cross my mind, but that they are implanting those embryos into ones that are already somewhere, and then somehow retrieving the eggs? Question mark. Well. Yeah, but, like, that's what I'm saying is, like, for the first generation of these. Oh, I see. Where's that middle step? Like, where are you getting the thing that's going to incubate? There's, like, a person, like, who (laughs) gives gives birth to an egg. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. (laughs) See if I'm right about humans being pregnant with dinosaurs as we conclude our conversation on Jurassic Park in the next episode of See You Next Week. In space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.